My people, my people, welcome back to another episode of The Success Bug, the only podcast interviewing young, successful, relatable entrepreneurs, sharing their stories with you and inspiring you all to escape the nine to five, one episode at a time. And with that, I'm very, very, very happy to share our longest interview thus far, but definitely not our least interesting, Dio Adeoson. He is the co-founder of Spot and also the co-founder of Glass Protocol. Now, Spot, as you may have heard of it, helps Gen Z find friends, food, and fun on a real-time crowdsourced map. And Glass, which is what we'll be talking about for the most part on this interview, is the first video NFT platform, a decentralized, transparent video monetization creating income for 1 billion video creators. And now you get to learn all about Dio's story and how he's been able to make it happen. Please enjoy Dio Adeosin. Thank you, man. I appreciate it for real. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Shout out to you. Shout out to Marcus. One thing I did want to ask you when we first talked, but I tried not to because I didn't want to turn it into an interview. What is your background like and where did you grow up and what kind of contributed to where you find yourself today? Wow. So I kind of consider myself a nomad to be honest okay um i i was born in chicago at the okay. age of zero <laughs> in <laughs> 1990 in 1998 i was born yeah. um i was born at the university of chicago hospital i was born in high park where it's it's actually one of those very interesting neighborhoods um in the south side of chicago because you're right next to the university of chicago right you're right next to these other like elementary schools but you're also next to, you know, like South side of Chicago, like high yeah. violence, high yeah. crime. So it's like, I was born in an academic school, but I also lived in a very tumultuous environment around me. We like, we literally were like raised in like this, like small park, like near Solana. Cause if people know like that in high park and, yeah. um, like we used to play like all these games in this one small park. And I literally thought that that park was like the biggest park when I was like three years old, four yeah, years yeah. old. And going back to Chicago when I was like 20, I saw how small it was. And I was just like, wow, like this literally seemed like the biggest park ever. But I, I lived in South side of Chicago for about six years. Right. Yeah. After that, my dad got a job at the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in upstate new york i went to school right over there yeah wow yeah wow and like troy yeah Yeah, i went to albany yeah like 20 minutes away wow that's i have so many stories about you albany actually really Um, (laughs) for the podcast or no i don't know about the podcast but uh other stories for sure for sure Um, but yeah at six um my dad moved um and that was pretty much my whole family moved with my dad Um, my mom actually was working with michelle obama at the university university of chicago before that okay Um, damn and uh, my dad um, was actually like working at the macarthur foundation and then he went over there chief investment officer there and i lived in loudonville new york um yeah that's all right right? 
Yeah, all of state. And so I kind of went from like an inner city kid to like the suburbs. And like right when I got to Albany, um, I had to transition and I had to adapt really quickly. And I went to Southgate Elementary School where that time from first grade to sixth grade in Albany really was a time where I played every sport. I played soccer. I played football. I was yeah. a football captain. I was on the soccer team, soccer captain, playing sports, doing spelling bees, pretty much doing every single thing. My mom, my dad used to always just give me so many opportunities to just try so many activities. And like, that's really what I am just very grateful about because yeah, yeah. You have to be. Yeah, it's it's almost it's everything. Like what your parents pass down to you, and how much freedom they give you, almost dictates a lot of things that you ultimately go on to do. Exactly, and it's I I thought I was going to be a professional football player when when I was really? like eight years old. I really? had, like I was a linebacker. Like I'm super super small. Like <laughs> now, but like you know, not that small. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. They can't hear, so they 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 might get misled here. <laughs> that's why we love Zoom now. Man. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, but no, I was I was like four foot 11, you know, linebacker, yeah, yeah. you know, getting in between the gaps. Like I was just, I was a running back and I was just going. And then we had another running back on the team who just was like so much more of a beast than me. And that's when I was like, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I, you know being a professional football player isn't for me. Perhaps I've miscalculated. Um, yeah, just a slight miscalculation. Um, and then I, you know, I just kept really learning when I was like six through 12 in upstate New York, yeah. played basketball for city rocks, football for North colony. Then after that, my family moved to New York city, right? So we moved to the upper West side, 60th street and 11th Avenue. Wow. While you're still like, in like middle school, high school. That was, that was right when I turned 12. So six okay. years in Chicago, six years in Albany, and then six years in the city. Almost pretty much six years in the city. But when I was 12, I remember my mom came down. I was in the basement um, in Albany and she was like, yeah, we're moving to New York City. And then she was like, you're going to go to boarding school in Lagos, Nigeria for two years. And I was just like, wait, what, mom? Like, come on. Like, I'm I'm I love you know, Albany. I love yeah. the kids that I'm with. You just like, got I used to it. being there almost after you just I left just, the inner city. I had just gotten used to it and she's yeah. really coming down here and I think my world's ending. And literally, I get shipped to Lagos, Nigeria to British International School Wow. Um, and Victoria Island at the age of 12. So my whole family moves to New York City and right after I went to New York City, I had to move to Lagos. Um, and what so, was the reasoning behind that? Was it just a really good school? And that was, they just, it was an opportunity they didn't want to pass up for you. So I think the story starts, of course, before I was born. So my yeah. dad actually um, came to the United States at the age of 18. Um, and he was shipped here kind of like how I shipped to Lagos. And his dad said, Hey, like you got to go out to America and just make it. Yeah. Um, and he met my mom at Co College in Iowa. Um, and when he met my mom at Co College in Iowa, they pretty much just stuck together 
they went to Washington University for business school together. Yeah. And then they just continued on. And then, you know, they gave birth. I have two older brothers. So I've always been just battling just to speak, battling just to get my voice out because my older brothers, you know, they're going to rough you up. They're going to bully you. They're going to be on you, you know, just because it's just that brotherly love. Right. Um, and That's so, how it goes. And they didn't go to boarding school, right? Those they So they did, but they mm. went when they were... Um, they went from, I think, sophomore year to junior year. Okay. Um, in high school. And it and wasn't so in Nigeria. It, it was in Nigeria. It, it was, was in Nigeria. Okay, it was, damn. It was. It so they was. were there with so, you or they went before you? So one of them was. So Lottie right. was there for my first year, uh, my, my middle older brother. Um, and then after... Um, Lottie was finishing up his second year. They sent me there during his second year and he was kind of there like guiding me. Like, and if I didn't have my older brother, like it would have been really rough because the first day I got there, I'm literally in a four by four room, four roommates in this hostel. And they're making fun of me because I have an American accent and it's a British international school. That's crazy. Everyone there is Nigerian. You know, they got the Nigerian accents. They're local and they're like preparing to go to England. Cause like what you do in like Nigeria is like, you know, you'll, you'll go to primary school, you know, and then you'll go to another secondary school. And then, you know, you're going to go to England. They call it Jan. And like, when you go to England, that's where you go to like, you know, go off into the world. And then, you know, you'll you'll have people who are in like LA, Toronto, England, all over. But I came from, Albany to Lagos and it was just like, like what, what even is that? <laughs> <laughs> I still I say that now and I went to school there. I don't even know what <laughs> that, you know, that place <laughs> sucks. <laughs> literally, literally sucks. Uh, but yeah, um, then um, I get there and it's just like total, total reckoning of just my worldview. Yeah. Like, I just thought the world was something else, and it wasn't. And all they did there was play soccer, make jokes, and and make pranks. And so it was this new environment, and yeah. the only really way up for me was through soccer and connecting with, like, other students who were also similar to me. Like, so, like, kind of like the outsiders, like, people who liked, you know sports people who liked you know pretty much like english other um just things that weren't necessarily like really like nigerian culture but more so just like well like worldwide trends and stuff like that so i kind of had to find my niche and lottie my older brother luckily um had friends because he's just way better at me than you know assimilating and and doing yeah. uh, just activities that like people like people are always just like yo man your brother's so cool like how's your brother that cool mm. <laughs> and, and like, like are you sure your know. brothers are you sure <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly and so i was there and um i i kind of just worked my way up through just playing soccer like yeah. on the sand sand pitches every day like blisters on my feet like socializing and then just like minding my own business, working like in school and just like, you know, studying really hard. And like over there they have um, IGCSEs and it's also the education there is, it's a British 
um, education. So I went from the American system to the British system and I'm getting like C's on my papers. Yeah, exactly. The metric (laughs) system. Uh, So I'm getting C's on my, my, my papers. And I'm like, wait, like what is going on? Like I literally went from being like an A star student to literally getting like C's and stuff like that. What was different about it? So it's, it's, almost impossible to get a's like getting a's is like you know what are you the teacher okay it's like playing on like all madden like when you're like exactly you just you kind of play it for fun like you're not actually supposed to win like exactly like in albany i was on beginner mode and then next thing you know in legos i'm literally exactly like you said all madden legendary mode yeah yeah everyone out there is like it's highly competitive everyone's way smarter than i like i thought they were and it's just like, whoa, man, like this competition is totally different. Yeah. And I don't think like anyone really knows about this. And so I had to like really like get a lot smarter faster. Yeah, and yeah. Like, I just like was at the library every other day. Just like they only had three computers at the whole school. So it was like you had to get to the computers quick if you yeah. wanted to. I remember like waking up at seven, getting out the bus and yeah. literally just sprinting to the library because it's like if you don't get the computer, like, you know, you're over here like writing like your mistakes a hundred times back to back. Oh, yeah. Like all that stuff, like very, very like old school type of uh, education system. Yeah, that's like stuff you see in like old shows. Now, now was that like something that like, did you have a, a educational work ethic before that or did that kind of shock you into developing it? I, I honestly thought life was a breeze. Like I, I wasn't yeah. a big fan of school. Yeah. Um, I was just more so interested in just like things I thought were dope, like shit that I thought was like, um, like, interesting. like just fun and interesting, which yeah. was like mainly just sports technology. I remember like going downstairs and seeing MySpace and while I was in Albany and my brother was setting up his MySpace homepage and I was like, wow, like this is crazy. Like yeah, yeah. what is this? I remember B.O.B. like all that stuff. And then you know, I'm there and it's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, the kids there are working super hard. They're literally smart and they're also like good at sports. Like they're just all around students. And I'm like, wait, like this is super competitive in this environment. Um, and I was only there for two years before I then came back to New York City. This time we had moved from 60th Street and 11th Avenue on the Upper West Side to Hell's Kitchen. So you came um, back to another house. Yeah, <laughs> another that's a, a totally new house. We're at five places now. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So we're at five places, um, and now I'm living in Midtown West, Hell's Kitchen, and I'm living right next to this one place. Uh, I think it's the Playboy. Uh, they had like the Playboy factory there at yeah. the time. Lady Gaga was doing like scenes and stuff Damn. um like right next to where i used to live and like hell's kitchen was like just up and growing like you know where the sky is now and where all the basketball players are like playing basketball like i live right next to that building yeah um and so that was just like i was like probably the only person in my grade who lived in hell's kitchen when i came back to new york city and i started going to poly prep at 14 oh, um, i've heard of poly prep too that's crazy yeah, so I went to poly prep school all the way in Brooklyn. Um, and so I'd take the bus there every day. My older brother Lottie was also there and he was on the football team. Um, and I remember the first day, um, 
actually before school started, everyone was like, yo, like Lottie, you got to get your brother to play soccer. Other people were like, yo, Lottie, you got to get your brother to play football. And I, like, I, when I went to Nigeria, I was set on being a professional soccer player. So I had literally right. like, like that was all it was of soccer. All it was, I had gotten recruited by multiple like French league one teams while I was in Nigeria, couple teams in South America. Um, and I was like, I was pretty good. Like that's really the only reason they liked me in Nigeria. Cause I was, I was good at soccer. Yeah. And that's so, probably big over there, obviously. Huge, huge, huge. If you pulled out an actual football, they probably would have bullied you even harder with the American (laughs) accent, too. Like, walk around with a football, they would probably like beat you up. I would have ended up with one friend. And, you know, it's (laughs) it's like those times 12 to 18 are so brutal. You know, it's like you're finding yourself, everyone else is finding themselves. You know, there's bullying going on. It's just like you have to get through those periods in life. Like, there's no shortcuts. It's just you got to just work your way through it. now, was then, it like a breath of fresh air to come home after being in Nigeria, like with both of you, like you and your brother, or was it, were you also getting used to Nigeria at that point? It was a, a breath of fresh air because like, I, I literally cried like my first week when I was in Nigeria, I was just so like distraught at the yeah. fact that my family culture was kicking me out like this. I thought they were like yeah. kicking me out. Like yeah. I thought I would go at like 16, 18. Like you did something 12. wrong almost. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then I was just at that point, um, I get back to us, I go to Brooklyn and it's just like, I'm a freshman again. And it's like, everyone is a freshman, like a newly born freshman in high school. Like yeah. my middle school years were in Lagos and like everyone had different middle school years. So I kind of luckily came to poly prep as a freshman and everyone else came to polycrab as like a freshman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there wasn't as much so, of you having to adjust to what everybody else was doing. Like you guys are all in together. Exactly. So like perfectly timed for me. Um, and then I, I chose to play soccer. And um, the first day of school, uh, the first day of preseason, um, one, the, the starting quarterback on the football team um, was like, Dada, you know, just started calling me Dada. And uh, just like that, like, and like they kind of just put me into the culture just like that because of my brother. And so kind of just getting that, you know, co-signed by the starting quarterback was huge when I came into the school because I was good at soccer, yeah. like way, like, like just better than like, cause like, you know, in America, it's like, they don't really play soccer every day, but in Nigeria, it's like, you can't yeah, go a day without playing. Wake up, play soccer. Like it's, it's kind of, that's the culture. Right. Of read your books, go back, play soccer, yeah. read your books, go right. back, like just like that. Um, and so I get to poly prep and it, it had like poly prep at that time was one of these like unbelievable schools. Oh like, yeah. The, have some you, of the people there like, huh? I think, we, uh, I, I mean, I'll cut this out, but like have, I, I went to rock country day and I feel like I may have pl- like played poly prep at some point. Like yes. I, I, that sounds very familiar. Did you play soccer? I didn't play soccer. No, but I knew people on the team. I don't know if you'd, I mean, you probably didn't know the names of anybody else on the team, but you probably played them a few times. I definitely, I definitely yeah. played Rad Country Day. I think we beat them like 8-0 or something probably. like that. They were trash. Totally <laughs> spanked them, just spanked them, just absolutely just We weren't good them. at many sports. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that was not our claim to fame. 
That's great. Um, yeah, and then um, I I just kind of just like took it every day, just step by step. And then um, I started like really like learning just like more about like what I wanted to do in the world. Like, I think like that's when I like really cemented that like more than like football, more than soccer, more than anything. I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I really wanted to be um, an individual. I wanted to be these ideas of sovereign, these ideas of like being able to like be boundless and move into a lot of different spaces that I thought were interesting. Um, And one of like the first places that I thought was really interesting is I, I was taking AP music theory and I was taking AP computer science and um, music was something that like, I started really tapping into in high school. Um, my brother was working with a bunch of like artists in, in New York City. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, he would just bring them around and they would be like, oh, like your little brother, like he like looks kind of just like you, like, you know, but um, he's like the little you and, you know, he's all, you know, excited and joyful <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like um, you won't shut up about it. Can you just, can you just do it <laughs> <laughs> literally i would not shut up and i would just always just be trying to be involved and a lot of you yeah. like yo man stay at home like you're too young like you know it's not ready you know and i would just always try to be involved um and then eventually like i just got older and older like i started you know playing soccer on my own i started you know volunteering at the all-star project i started tapping into just more like of my local community And like really that Hell's Kitchen area, like there's this park on 52nd Street. I used to play with like Dominicans, Argentinians, like all types of cultures. I played with the uh, FIFA World Cup winner at that park, just like on a random day, Yuri Drakaev. Like it was just so much. So did he like, what did he like wash you guys? Like, was it like a... It was literally two on two, just like in the park. Did he like... Is it the same drop off as like when you when like an NBA player pulls up to play pickup? Like he was just like, like there's a clear difference in talent there. Or? He did some things I had never seen okay. do on the soccer field. Okay, like, all right, good. Like he was really nice, like scoring from behind the goal type okay, shit. Yeah, like, yeah. like like it's like yo, know, he did a hockey move like, in, in a, on a soccer I, field. <laughs> he was skating on the yeah. soccer field. Let's just say that. Um, and then. Um, I just kept really playing and playing and playing. And eventually I was uh, recruited to go to University of Chicago to play soccer. I, I didn't even want to really go to college. I just wanted to be an entrepreneur yeah. right out of So right did you go specifically school. just because you wanted to play soccer? And it was yeah. like that appealed to you, the sport? Yeah it, was, yeah, it was just like if I can keep playing soccer and be around smart people, like I'll <laughs> Sounds do like that. Sounds like a win. Um, yeah, like, like, it's like <laughs> a win. And in Chicago was a school that like really wanted me. The coaches had recruited me. Columbia was also looking at me. But I, I was like not preparing for college at all. Like I didn't really do any like one application. Yeah. Um, the was there an appeal to going home at all? Like, I wanted know. to leave New York because I had started throwing parties throughout all of New York City. So, like, my high school, I started throwing parties on the weekends. Yeah. Um, I was, I was like getting really in touch with the New York City scene in high school, and like yeah. that kind of like was my upbringing. Like, I was going to the club. I had fake IDs. Like, I was, I was, you know, I'm not the greatest. You know, the most 
precious kid in the, in the <laughs> school or whatever. Like yeah, I yeah. definitely was a troubling student. Like I got suspended. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, wouldn't want to necessarily go to school every day. My mom would pretty much have to wake me up to go to school every day. Yeah. Um, the like motivation was just alarms. not there. My motivation was totally not there for school. Yeah. yeah. Like ever. Um, and I, I just kept learning. I just kept, you know, focusing on just interesting ideas and interesting um, efforts I wanted to make in the world. I always knew I wanted to make a big impact and I knew I wasn't a bystander and that there was a lot of things um, specifically around technology, music, um, culture um, that I wanted to make a change in. Um, And so when I got to Chicago, I thought, all right, this is actually a great school for me because it's like, I've always been a misfit wherever I was. So I'm very comfortable with that. Um, but it's like, now it's like, you know, let's see what all the talk is about here. Like how smart really are the students. And, yeah, and yeah. it's a great school. I, <laughs> it, Incredible. School, some right? say it is, it's so, a really, it's. <laughs> well, okay. So you might find this funny. Um, when I was applying to school myself, um, one thing I heard about you, Chicago, is that it's where fun goes to die. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can attest to that at all. I was literally just talking to my friend right before this. He went to U Chicago, and he was like, "Yeah, man, like U Chicago is a hundred percent where fun goes to die." Oh, okay. He's currently, <laughs> he's currently at like Wisconsin right so now, true, living right. up his college years, and he's like twenty three, and it's just like, um, like it definitely, it definitely died. It, it, yeah. it takes the mental fortitude you have to leave that school with to, you know, pursue entrepreneurship to pursue, um, the, the path you want to, it's, it's a depressing environment for many students because the first year you come in and it's great, you know, you're like, wow, I'm the first year I'm the hottest on campus. This is lovely. Um, and then as you transition from first year to second year, there, there, there's this bubble that forms around, okay, you have to either go and be, you know, be an economics major and do um, the finance track, BCG, McKenzie, uh, or JP Morgan, all those things. Yeah. Or, um, you know, you have to be like someone in like public policy or something like that. Um, or like a deep physicist. And it's like, I didn't really have talents in any of those areas. Um, Nor did you want to. (laughs) Nor did I want to. I didn't really want to. Um, And my dad was just like, you don't go to Chicago and not study economics. And so I did what my dad told me to. Um, And so I studied economics. um, And I, I really tried to do the least. Um, like after my microeconomics class, um, which it took me like three years to like get through just cause I really yeah. was not trying to do things. Um, um, I really was not trying to go too deep into economics cause I just felt like I wanted to not learn. I wanted to like come into the world with just fresh knowledge yeah. and just perspective. Like, like things that I cared about most were behavioral economics and, um, really just like the small nudges and details in humans behavior. It was kind of like psychology, but like a little bit of like, like real life, like experience. And I was just like trying to like go closest to 
an environment where it was thinking about like why do people do certain things and then also like experimenting like things to do and seeing what happens and how people react so we're kind of like looking at incentives incentives had always been an idea i was looking for but i never really thought of it as incentives i never thought of it as like game theory never put a name Um, to it yeah i never really put names to it and i i remember i came to chicago the, the first week of school um i was reading freakonomics I, I i was looking at um richard thaler and other behavioral economists and like just the ideas that were kind of cultivating there and i had known about milton friedman i had known about these like old chicago economics but i didn't know like like what was really so special and it's like yeah. now i feel like the whole world is like understanding like chicago economics like milton freeman economics behavioral economics incentive design and these things um and that's kind of like a big push in like just the cryptocurrency movement right now um but before i get too far ahead but um yeah. i i I came to school because I I was really looking for someone who I could work with to build this idea where it was called status. And it was kind of just about like, how can we figure out like real time data so that we can make better real time decisions in the real world. Um, and you came and, to college thinking that this was why you wanted to come to college to find someone yes. to help you figure this out. Yes. I wow. went to Chicago. And so the first week of school, well, before the first week of school, I met Varun, who was doing um, pre-orientation. I was in preseason for soccer, and I went to this entrepreneurship program at Booth. Um, Booth is a business school of University of Chicago, and like that's where I've spent most of my time. I, right. I honestly was just focusing on the business school because that's kind of what entertained me. Um, and then um, at Booth, that's when I said... Hmm, like this entrepreneurship club was very interesting. It was called Edge. And the person sitting right next to me was Varun. And Varun like tapped me on the shoulder. I was wearing like a corduroy, like polo raff Lauren hat. And he was like, yo, man, like that hat's cool. Um and He's like, let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, yo, thanks, man. Um and then we just like hit it off that day. Like we just literally walked yeah. from like I pitched the idea of status. It was like a 47. 40 second pitch and i was like hey like you know what if you you know could like just like open like you know a map open something and just see what's happening in the world um and then just make decisions off of that um and then i don't think anyone really cared at all but (laughs) then i walked i walked um home to my dorm with Varun and we just were talking about like entrepreneurship like awesome things we could do just like life and school like what does he want to do blah blah it's just super deep and then after that uh i didn't see him again for a full year right then i joined a fraternity right my my first year right i hadn't seen Varun for a long time and i was just like hmm, what do we what do we want to really uh, what do I really want to do here? And I was playing soccer. Our team was really good. Like we had like U Chicago's best soccer team. We won like 64 games, five losses. And like the whole three years I was there, like we had like, really serious coaches. Everyone yeah, was yeah. I was like attacking mid, all these types of positions. Like I started, I, I was on the bench, I had to make my way off the bench to starting. You yeah. Know, we, we over the years them. and stuff. Exactly. Over the years. So that probably kept them. you in 
school almost because you were so into soccer. Like, probably not for that. You might have gone. You might have been gone. It was the number one thing that kept me in school. Like, if it weren't for yeah. soccer and playing on a team that I liked to play on and that had talented players and, like, I loved the coaches at that time, um, I wouldn't have, you know, been able to do it. But a lot of things changed after that first year. And then um, – we we actually made it to the semifinals of like the national championships for D three year after that we yeah. lost and then the next year we made it again there we lost again and that was the last time I played soccer professionally and I had worked on a I had started working on a project that I raised like funding from U Chicago at the time yeah. so U Chicago was just starting up this Polsky entrepreneurship program. And that kind of helped, you know. Like, so they were just starting their entrepreneurship program as you were in school or just starting there? Exactly. That is crazy. That's like what we were talking about with like being an outlier and kind of just like right place, right time situation. Like lucky, but taking advantage of the luck a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah. And then after that, um, I started this one company called Spot, which was just a real-time map, a personal map where um, people can really find their people, places, and things in the real world. And I just thought this idea of a personal map was just going to be like relevant for as long as I lived. And I was really only focusing on just products and things that I know, like even if I like felt terrible one day or like I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. It was just something that like, you know, I'll go outside and I'll look at a map and I'll be like reminded like, you know, this is important. Yeah. Right. And so that so was one a personal map and like that, not to cut you off, like where you see other people and what they're doing type of situation. So I like was going around the whole school looking for this. And then one summer, it was spring 2017, right around when Snap Maps like had just started being created. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tried to go all in, all in on it with Varun, um, who I who connected with me from a friend who he saw at the gym, um, and he saw a friend at the gym, and he was like, "Yo, man, do you know anyone who has weed on campus?" And <laughs> and I happened I happened to have it on me. And, you know, like, don't tell my mom this, but, you know, I, I had it on me and uh, I was chilling. And then, you know, he hit, he hit me up. And then after that, we were like, okay, like, you know, let's talk, you know, let's talk. And I told him about the idea. He was working at the Google Art. He was working on the Google PageRank algorithm um, at the Argonne National Laboratory. So he had all this information I did not have. And he came with this physics perspective that I didn't have. Um, and I was like, wow, like this is, this is definitely very valuable. And we just really, really vibed when we were talking. And this is the, um, now the second time, like you're reconnected with him. After that you, was the yeah. second time. Did that you know, did you time. remember each other or was it like? We remember each other and there was a vibe that was like, wow, like this, like I could see a long-term relationship. Yeah. Here. You're like, but what like, we, what we had that first time was something that we should have just yeah. kept in, in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, but we took it slow, you know, it's yeah. like we took it slow. And, and, <laughs> we didn't uh, want to rush into things. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to rush it. We didn't want to seem like we were too excited. You know, we just really wanted to like, like work on the idea, talk about the ideas, just so yeah, many yeah, things yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, we wrote a provisional patent. It was useless. Then we got into this college adventure challenge, which is like the college version of the new adventure challenge at uh, East Chicago. 
Um, and then we like made it to the semifinals. We didn't make, we didn't win. Some other team won. I don't even know. Um, and then we found someone who could build the product for us named Brendan Sanderson at a birthday party. And we were like, Hey, Brendan, like, let's like, let, let's work on this. And he was like, I'm so down. Like, I think this is the future of like social, like, like this is amazing. And this is spot. Yeah. yeah. This was spot. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so then we dropped something and got like 40 users on it. This is like April, 2018. And it totally crashed every five seconds like just the map feature location feature just terrible like all my friends are like yo i'm never gonna use the dial app. <laughs> like, like 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 dial makes apps like what like first he plays soccer and now he's doing apps like yeah. who is this kid like yeah, what yeah. is he like what is he focusing on like you know get a job at bcg <laughs> you know yeah yeah uh, Come join so us. The, right. <laughs> Just come and join so, us already. Shut up. Stop stop trying to be different. <laughs> right? Like stop trying to be different. And it's like I I was really down bad, but like my co like Brendan, room, they were all down. And then, you know, Brendan goes to Africa, comes back and he says, I'm not doing I'm not I'm not doing technology anymore. He says, I, I can't do technology anymore because like, but you uh, were making our product. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then I like we're heartbroken and we're supposed to yeah. go out to live with him for a month in LA. Oh and wow. We still yeah. we still go and do that, me and Varun. So we're literally living in this man's basement, just trying to build this product with no like technical ability whatsoever. And so we're learning how to build, right? And then after that. Um, we build it like we don't really get anything that's functional for like a year after that. To be honest. Meanwhile, he's <laughs> not even in tech anymore. He's coming down to the basement like, "Hey guys, like, I know, just how long I, are you staying?" <laughs> I know, I know. So I'm like, oh, "I gotta go home." Man. Yeah. Like, like I, I can't be doing this. Like, what am yeah. I doing? I'm I'm traveling around LA. We're going from Starbucks to Starbucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. Looking crazy, looking crazy. You probably had uh, to feel like, like, actually, like, what am I doing? Is this kind of stupid at this point? Not that it was, but like you had to I be feeling a little bit. Felt dumb, but at the same time, I just like, I just couldn't do anything else. Like, I yeah. don't know. I just like, I just knew like. Like if we just keep like the dots would connect. Like I just like I was just so focused on just like being a founder and being you know, just like painstakingly focusing on one thing for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we dropped something right around like uh, December. Like well, we didn't drop anything. We were almost about to drop anything. We had a front end with no back end around December. 2019 right so april 2018 we got the first app brennan quits 28 20 like 2018 june right then we get something around december 2019 and that's like the first time we're getting to something yeah. um and we find uh one of my friends hits me up and goes hey like there's this event at the carrara lab and you should come in like pitch spot and at the event, um, I go like I'm literally chilling, and and um, I was living in the fraternity at the time. I'm chilling in the fraternity, just hanging out. And I call Varun. I'm like, hey man, like yo, we should probably go pitch here. And he's like, all right, like 
okay, I'm leaving class right now. <laughs> we meet each other. We meet each other there, and then literally in the middle of a test. He's literally in the middle of a test, right? We meet each other there, and then we see Sam, and Sam's pitching like this idea called TensorTask, which is like a machine learning model for other developers to build on and he's just like super passionate about it super into the idea and i had no idea what it really was but like it just sounded really cool um and then varun goes over there walks over to him talks to him a little bit and he's like showing people like lightning like like it's like literally showing me my like my first ever like lightning transaction like, yeah showing me like these bitcoin transactions um that like are going from 10 minutes to a couple milliseconds and i'm like whoa like that's that's definitely some crazy tech right there um and so then we were like hey like let's just start working together and like building out this uh spot app and so we got together that weekend john what we're gonna do down and then from that day on like us three just started working together beaver and sam um, and then we, we made so many different apps. Like we made like a link up app. We made like just all like a place chats, location based chats, group, group chats, all that stuff. And we just kept iterating, iterating, Sam doing the back end, we're doing the front end, me yeah. distributing it at, like throughout the whole school, putting my face on the line and people just being like, yo, don't use those apps. <laughs> like they don't work. Like, 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 don't listen don't to them. <laughs> right? Like don't listen to them. Like it'll work eventually. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, then at that point we were like, okay, like, what are we going to do? Um, let's just like try to apply to like an accelerator and just see if we can build it better there. Apply to accelerator. We're over here thinking about building it, not building the product, just making all the wrong mistakes that we needed to make. Like Y Combinator and stuff like that. Like just big ones. Yeah watching my comedy videos, watching founders podcasts, just listening, how do these people do these things? Just trying to learn as much as we can. Like we were yeah. literally just learning machines, just everything we can learn. We were learning it as long as it did not have anything too much to do with like what we were actually learning in school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything but academic is, is fine literally. at this point. Fair game. Literally. And and like Sam was a dropout at that point. He had dropped yeah. out. Oh yeah. Um, so he was still around, but he just wasn't in New Chicago anymore. Yeah. He he was actually going to Loyola and he had dropped out. Uh oh okay. So, Loyola Yeah, Loyola Chicago on the north side. Um and so he was like like doing all these crazy things with levitators, all these things with like NASA, these deep science stuff. And it was just like a perfect fit. Like we had we don't yeah. know anyone who was doing the stuff he was doing. Um and then after that, uh we continue we continue building, right? And then we build all the way up until January twenty twenty, right? Or or uh yeah, January twenty twenty. Right. And that's the first time we built something that was nice, that was working. Right. So it's like April 2018, we started. January 2020 was the first time we got like a product that was working. And then after that, we launch it and it just starts spreading crazy. And that app was like Tinder, uh, a map, find my friends, and events and like Facebook events. All yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a way to connect with people real time yeah. type thing. Yeah. Because people knew we were missing something, but like it was really hard to figure out what we were missing and how to build it. And so we were just like trying a bunch of ideas and building them and testing them with real people and then like getting feedback, throwing events, throwing parties, getting right. feedback. 
um, like our, our distribution strategy was just events and parties. Um, and so then after that, uh, the app starts blowing up January. I figure out like this like limousine, like, you know, business model where like we're getting like a limousine to and from an event and like we're getting like 45 people on the limousine. I'm taking like a little bit of money from that. Um, we're doing, I'm going to food trucks. I'm walking to food trucks and I'm getting food trucks on the map. They're paying me like $10 or giving me like a free burrito. Yeah, yeah. Um, so campus. you're just so getting like free burritos as payment and yeah. you're accepting <laughs> that. <laughs> Literally free you're happy with it. Literally, I was so happy too. Yeah. Like, I still remember this burrito. Uh, yeah. I, I'm literally speaking Spanish to the actual people. I don't even speak Spanish. Yeah. I'm literally have Google Translate. Oh yeah. And, like, it takes like 15 food. minutes to get the burrito. You have to explain <laughs> to them that no i i we have a deal literally, here and then they literally, oh I'm literally you're that guy hard coding i'm hard coding the actual like like truck into the map like yeah. it's just like literally super manual like how do you how do you tell that to the guy who's making the burritos he's like what the fuck you say literally um and then after that um we we start to grow we're going from like Loyola to like like Chicago, Northwestern, yeah. we're making waves and then literally like we had like this bar call event set up and then Corona hits, right? We had a bar call event set up for St. Patrick's Day and then coronavirus hits in 2020, right? March. And we're like, oh my gosh, like, wait, what? And I'm like having long walks with my friends, catastrophic. And I'm like, the world is changing. And like at that time, I had just finished this book called Sovereign Individual mastering the transition into the information age what's up everyone if you've made it this far through the interview i first of all really appreciate you thank you so much it is often difficult to continue putting out episodes to a podcast but all of your support truly does make it worth my while with that said if you're listening right now i would sincerely appreciate if you would take a second pause scroll down and leave an honest rating and review i really do hope it's five stars but if it's not just please tell me why and i'll continue to do my best to course correct and make this podcast the best it could possibly be i value all of your feedback and i really want to make sure that i'm putting out the best product possible thank you so much and with that let's get back to the interview so i was like kind of i had read a book that was kind of predicting like biological changes uh like 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 i guess biological disease changes technological shifts um pretty much um just the internet being this new cyber economy and how there's going to be new forms of cyber violence and new forms yeah. of uh, money. Like it's literally predicting like Bitcoin on like page 16. And like this book was written in like 97. Oh, really? And so, wow. And so I'm like, wait, what? And it's like in the first couple of decades, there's going to be riots on the streets. Like just saying all this stuff that I'm like, that can't be true. That can't be true. And they had previously predicted the fall of the Soviet Union and blood on wall street like you sure this isn't the simpsons (laughs) it's crazy because the simpsons also does predict these things maybe they just read this book and that's why that's where they get all those weird predictions from they definitely read it like i i I definitely they read it um and so it's like predicting all these things and i'm like wait this is crazy and like we're seeing coronavirus and i'm like wait this can't be real next thing i know it's like there's troopers there's marchers in chicago like on the streets and like chicago's crazy people are like oh yeah yeah building. the riots are insane so, like the riots crazy. are yeah. ridiculous like, yeah. people throwing stuff i'm over here like yo like all right like is this house protected like yeah like, is this safe like it was really 
crazy. That's how and bad at that it was. point, yeah. it was that bad. And at that point, I was just only thinking about okay, like how can I build products that are essential for the future. So that's when I started forming like my my life idea of like what the next twenty years what's going to be for me. Like what are going to be important products to build for people. Like what is going to be valuable, whether you like it or not. Like what is going to be useful. And that was like you know maps, videos, um, health, like education, energy, finance, like all these things were just like really important topics right when I got out because I was like yo these like those are the problems that are causing these things like education energy health like finance fun food like you know like those are like just the basic essentials yeah. that like I kind of felt were important in life and so that's right when I graduated this was like um June 20 2020 um I graduated and then like we 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 were like in the middle of a pivot like I said, dad, like we're trying to work a little bit more. He was like, oh, like, you know, you guys are still doing this. Like everyone, we thought we were going to split up. We thought we, we were in Sam, weren't even going to be able to continue to work together. And like, we were, like because of COVID. Yeah. exactly. And we were like the magic three. Like we were like, you know, freaking like, you know, Chris Bosh, D-Wade and LeBron. Like it was like, we were meshing and, um, COVID almost wrecked it all. Yeah. And so we were like, oh my gosh, like we didn't have a senior year spring, blah, blah. And then we, you know, we figure out how to raise some funding, right? We get like your Chicago investors, we get a bunch of investors and stuff like that. Um, but we raised like a small round, like 200K. And like that just helps us, you know, get through that year. And we're building, building, building. And then like as we were building, um, we were just looking like, like Sam had done a lot of research on the crypto space. He was thinking a lot about video products. We were trying video ideas out, sending videos to each other. Like we just know video is an essential product. And um, over that time, we were like, hey man, like, like, how can we like, like he started mocking up some ideas about decentralized video platforms. This is literally around like, June uh, 2020, this is literally around, I think October, uh, October 2020. Right. right. He's still a senior in college, finishing up his senior year because he dropped out and came back to school. Uh, and so we're like, okay, mm, like, you know, video definitely has a thing to it. You know, we yeah. know what it is, but it's like, it's we there's an appeal there. Like, and something like what we believe in is just constant innovation, constant innovation. Like, if you're not constantly inventing new things, you're preparing to die. And so it's like, we just knew like we were getting to our last iterations of spot. Like we were kind of figuring out, okay, this is the design, like group maps, these types of things. And then we also were like, okay, we need to be doing something new, something that is going to actually change the world again. Something that like is another 20 year long type product that is going to be valuable. And so like first mass we, we we knew and then we were like okay like we gotta do something with video and so i'm on a train coming from upstate new york maroon goes back to his home we were actually living together literally sleeping on the same bed building spot just trying to get that up and running got to get yeah. five thousand users like during covid because uh, not going anywhere just working yeah, out no one's going anywhere yeah. you know no one's going outside you know so it's pretty much the people talking on a map it's like twitter on a map um and that was like the the current design that it's at right now um and then 
we uh at that point we were like okay like you know what's something new we can work on and uh we started also working on this like just video platform that was all about like what if like video creators like didn't have to like battle for ads right and go to these complicated three-sided networks where it's like you know you got the, the video creator you and then you have like the viewer and then you got like the ad partner and it's like why like if this video goes super viral now why can't you just get a lot of money from the viewers like right there yeah. like, why can't you just and get rid of the Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Get rid of that third guy. Um, and that was the model we were currently working on and what with the spot web two product. So it's like we had experience with that. Um, and like I had gone to businesses and like made like six thousand dollars worth of sales, sold the map to Chicago for the university yeah. event. And it was just like it's so hard to just like do like build a product and you're over here getting sales totally different over there. Um, and so then we started building this thing out and it was like built on IPFS, this decentralized um, server. Um, and we, I didn't know too much about decentralized servers, to be honest. Like I, I was just learning new things um, and, and I started looking more into just like, okay, like how can we make something new that's familiar but it's like surprising and it's like a really pleasant experience and i was like like my brother's girlfriend is like a world-renowned dancer and you know like over like about like 200k followers on instagram and it's like i've been living with her for like a year um and we were like you know she's she had one idea where she was like yeah i had this it wasn't even an idea it was reality she had a uh she had to perform at Beyonce's like I think show and like BMAs to like do a dance. And she was like, oh, but I don't have like enough money to just buy this plane to LA. And we were like, sorry, we were like, what if um you could literally, you know, just go to your crowd of fans, go to the people, crowdsource might get to LA and go and do that. Be like, here's what I'm trying to do. If you guys exactly. love me, send me some exactly. money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like just a faster way to kick stuff. Yeah a faster way to crowdfund. Um, and so we're like, oh, this is really interesting. Like, like we're living with the creator right now. And it's like, how does this creator right here, like followed by like Naomi Campbell, like like the best like people, like a great dancer, like one of the most talented dancers I've ever seen. How can she not like be able to have enough money to get there and, and even ask her, you know, community to get her there when it's about to be a fire video with Beyonce. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, we were like, wow, that's crazy. Um, and so then after that, we decided, hey, well, you know, like, you know, there's an idea here. And we just slept on it. And we kind of had this idea called like the share model where it's like you could essentially like, like refer someone else to, you know, pay for this. And it's like, if they pay for that, like you get a little bit of money from that. Right. Um, and so one for one, like you tell, you tell somebody about it and then we get something and then it's like a chain reaction type thing. Exactly. Chain reaction referral model with like a little fee given to the refer. Um, and we were like, this is interesting. Um, and then right around like January, um, actually right around January, like we like, like, Sam started cracking up like a little wait list, a little landing page. And we we're like, yeah, like, like bust that. Like, let's see what it looks like. Um, and then right around April, um, or January, I think it was right around March, we dropped a wait list 
for this like video NFT platform. That's right when NFT started making waves, which was like January. You heard about people. We were like you know, very hey. interesting. Yeah. yeah, we were like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> and we know how to build products that people, you know, can like and love. We had like just gotten a crazy user base in Arizona on the app. Like things are going crazy. And we we're like, oh, this is very interesting. Uh, and we thought, hey, like, what if like there were video NFTs? You know, what if you could have a video that's an NFT? It's like we had literally just redesigned our app to look more like TikTok, right? We mm-hmm. we we knew videos were just super engaging, this long form content. And like even when I look back in high school, like I was trying to be a Vine star. Like I literally yeah. was fully focused on being a Vine celebrity. Like what a that. life that would have been, man. Literally, R.I.P. to Vine. Great app. All right. R.I.P. to Vine. Like, like I hope Clubhouse doesn't end up like Vine, but like R.I.P. to Vine. Like that literally inspired me yeah. so much to like actually do this video stuff to create like and understand what it's like to like get in front of the camera and do this. It's not easy. So, no, like, I was yeah. looking at like I was looking at like King Batch, Logan Paul. You know, those are like oh yeah, a couple yeah. guys like that. Really Classics. Classic, classics. Uh, King Bat, they're still going hard. They are. He's so, literally like an actor now. Like it's opened up doors for him. It's crazy for all of them. Crazy doors, crazy doors. And I, I, we had like listened to like this Alex Yu talk about like how TikTok was this new country, and it was forming like this entirely new like, like, like almost like a state where you know you have these new users coming there and finding wealth through views finding wealth through notoriety and yeah. that, like every social network is kind of having like these these new mediums that are like bringing these new stars and you have to kind of create like a wealth engine that allows these creators to actually want to continue to create and actually yeah. allows creators to like actually profit and so then um we had all that information and we're like hey like you know, uh, let's just drop this video in a T platform. So we dropped this video in a T platform called Glass, and we do a waitlist, and it literally gets over like ah, 40k in like 48 hours, and then it's That's like insane. 60k by like the end of the week. That's like, insane. Like right around 100k in like two weeks, and it's just like, wait, what? Like this is a crazy waitlist right now. Like people want a decentralized video NFT platform this bad. And this is like right in March. Um, and so then we just, we just start building and we start building and we keep building and we drop like our first video on April on 420. Um, and it's just like a video <laughs> just shitting on YouTube, <laughs> you know, just being like Casey Neistat, like, yeah, like, like YouTube D-list and demonetizing my videos. Like yeah. my videos and you're like, and no, money. we're not smoking it just because it's 420 doesn't mean we're, yeah. we're high. Like we're, we're serious. Exactly. Yeah, we were serious. <laughs> you know, we're serious. Yeah, of course we like to joke, but we're serious. Uh, and then, you know, we dropped that video and people were like yo like what are these kids doing this is amazing like who are these people you know it's like you know us we've literally been working for three years together like yeah yeah for you guys it's probably you understand how each other works and it's not weird for you guys to do something like this but for somebody on the outside they're like this is insane that these three kids are doing um, this they went from naps now they're doing videos like what are they doing like you know it's like and we're like yeah like you know it's just like we we like to do new things and invent and so we we do that right and then um we sam's finishing up school at that point 
right? And then, you know, me and Varun are at my place in New York City, just working, building both. Um, and then um, Sam's just about to graduate school, graduates. And like, that was finally when it was like, oh, like finally he's graduated. Like we can all work together. Finally. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so he finally graduates. We can finally all work together. And we, uh, there's the thing like launch house, like Web3 thing. They like, they go over there for that. I had, um, I was in New York City um, just doing events and stuff like that, like forming communities. Like, and so this summer, right, I had done like three parties. Like these parties were like a hundred people there. We do a party at a fashion store, like Teddy Tato in Soho. And like the cops literally come, ASAP Rocky's circling around the corner, about to come into the party as the cops are coming. And then like, like we literally have to evacuate everyone. We're like, dang, <laughs> like almost got him. And then uh, we do another event on like a rooftop. And it's just like we almost caved the rooftop in. My friend's rooftop gets banned. Um, and he, he gets banned from going to rooftop parties. And then, <laughs> Somehow banned from every rooftop in New York City. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so just miraculously rooftop band. Yeah, yeah. There's just um, always an eye on him now. Literally. And I'm like, yo, man, like I didn't mean to. Like it wasn't like that serious. Like, like, but he's good now. Like, mad if you're watching this. <laughs> uh and then after that, um we we dropped um you know, we we threw one more event um at the flare room. And then right after we did this event at the flare room, um, we one of my friends actually went to middle school with Sarah Marley, who's Lauren Hill's granddaughter, um, and Bob Marley's grand great granddaughter. And you were like, yo, she's gonna be the perfect person to to, to put something on glass. Video, right because yeah. it's like you know like this whole like nft space is all about like these celebs and like all yeah, about yeah. these like these people who people really want to, to see content from or people who are you know really creative with their experiences and she had like a really dope video like just a, a video that was like a half music video half like documentary like just really cool I video. That. yeah that's awesome and i was like wow this is interesting and so we um we put that video up and like literally for like the first 20 hours, like no one's buying, right? We put the video up and it's like an NFT auction, right? A video NFT auction with glass. And it's like the video is actually an NFT, right? We put the video up and the video literally sells for 5.8 ETH. And we like look at it and it's like, what? Like $18,000, like $18,000 for a video. Like what? Like, yeah. A video, like a video that could have just sat on your hard drive, like literally, just like left it there, literally. And we're like, yo, we literally just like covered her cost for the whole video, and like she profited. And I was like, we're like, this is crazy, like you know, like this can't be real. And like the week before that, we had tried a a live stream, and the live stream was like a ten minute live stream, me and Sam just talking about what we were about to do, and literally we sold twenty five editions of that live stream right at like point one ETH or something like that and we literally had all those editions sold out in under 22 minutes and we had made like 3.15 ETH and like literally like t- 10 minutes and this is just by minutes. listing this is just by listing her different versions of the video on glass as a nft of its own and people coming in seeing it and being like oh that's cool 
I want a piece of that action. And they just buy so so almost it's it's pretty much like this is by just like having a, a ticker that symbolizes the video. So imagine yeah. like a uh, uh like a card, like a sports card that is just like moving and rotating and it's like you want to own that car, sports card to say that you are a part of that live stream or you want to own that sports card to say you are a part of that video. Okay. And so it was like, that's how we did it. it. Like, it wasn't even like, didn't really even make sense. Like, it was just like, you know, what if, you know, like, how, do pe- like, how are people going to respond to this? Yeah. Like, how are we going to respond to this? Uh, we, we didn't even know we could do decentralized live streaming. Right. And we found out about live peer and live peer really helped us like actually do the transcoding for the decentralized live streaming. And then are we've kind of helped us um, with the decentralized storage but we didn't actually store the video on our we we just made it just like a normal decentralized like live stream where it's just like okay instead of this live streaming being only tied to one like data like one central server yeah now this live stream is like literally coming from any server that's up from a bunch of servers around the world, like just act constantly, just like being mined and being used. And so it was just a more like sturdy live stream. Like it was just faster. Like, like the whole experience was like not delaying. Like, like anytime there was a delay, there was another, you know, content yeah. delivery network that is pushing, you know, information there. So it's just way more malleable and flexible to just changes in the network. And that's kind of what decentralization is all about. Just like, more more strength over the network so that if one server goes down there's other servers that are going to be there to keep the the site running up so it's never down in a way it's always being picked up by another exactly right and so it's like you know netflix you know netflix only has like about three like large servers and it's like if one of the servers down the other one has figured out if another one's down the other one has figured out they got one in like virginia like another one in like somewhere in like europe another yeah. one somewhere else and it's just like those, those are just three right and it's like now we got like literally thousands and just a bunch more just everywhere and like your time. phone your phone is literally a server itself um and so it was just really different technology thousand times cheaper to do that with live beer and you know, we knew the world was going towards live streaming because we had watched like this movie called like People's Republic of Desire and we had seen what was going on in China, like what was going on in um, uh, the Africa and my, you know, my brother's girlfriend was literally getting offered like thousands, like thousands of dollars, almost millions of dollars to do bigger live streams. Yeah. And, you know, like, we're like, what is that? You know, um, and why is there such a big demand it, there? Yeah. Right. Why is the demand so big there? Um, and so we knew there was like a huge world shift happening around live streaming. And like, I really love this idea of like the life log where it's like you can have like a camera on you 24 7. And it's just like, you know, kind of exactly how Kanye West did that Donda live stream. Like, that's yeah. literally what like, what like a life log is to me. And so, I was like, yo, I really want to go and make that. Like, I, I kind of want to make a platform that allows for that. Um, and so we we did the additions, right? Then we did the sale of video, right? So it was actually the, the live stream with additions and then the sale of video that was auctioned off, right? And this was in 
when it's in August of 2021. Okay, so very recently now. <laughs> this is very recently. Um, and then, um, so we had made like 10K, like 30K, and we're like, wow, like we never made this much money yeah. you know, on, on the previous things we did. Um, and then after that, we did another video um, and we did Gally, 27 Gally, who's ASAP Ferg's little brother. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the biggest artists of the decade, like super wow. energetic, like really, like he has that energy, that harm energy, that vibe that you're like, yo, like, okay. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you can tell immediately that he's, he's yeah. got something. Yeah. And like when I was in LA in 2018, like ASAP Ferg was the number one artist on Spotify in LA. You know, and so I was yeah. just like, I was like, yo, man, like people are gonna get to this vibe eventually. Yeah, I don't yeah. know when, but I know they're gonna get there. They're um, working their way there. <laughs> working their way, right? He just dropped an album, Flash and Birth. Definitely go bump that. Yeah. But um, Delhi, he did three like series of NFTs. Like he did editions, twenty seven editions, twenty seven editions, like point zero twenty seven. And this was his first time doing it. So he was like, okay, like, you know, we were really walking him through it. And like, I kind of had that background of just like, you know, community sales, like technical a little bit. So like, I was kind of just helping him like learn the whole process the way through. And it's like, I really see myself more as like an educator than like really anything, you know? And, yeah. and someone who was like, yo, like, I like, like there's a better way here to do things. Like this is where we could do things. Even if you think the way you're doing things now is the best way. What if I told you there is a better way with the help of technology, right? And it's like that's pretty much like what my life's about. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, he did that, and he literally made like, like, like ten k from his like first one, five k from the next one, another like five k from the one after that, and he was just like, wow, like mind blown, you know? yeah mind blown and it was like we were literally we we felt like we were changing lives and we, and we are and um we just finished his um like a week ago and then um last week we just dropped like the first film on the blockchain that was longer than two minutes right so we got more longer film. form well that's still yeah, shorter so but longer film and, and it was like, we used to pitch it as the decentralized marketplace for uh, video NFTs and video and live streams. Um, and that like, we're trying to, you know, take out Twitch and YouTube. And then once we did the movie, and now that like I watched Squid Game last night, <laughs> now we're over here thinking, okay, you know, we should honestly be doing live, like we should be doing Twitch, yeah. YouTube, and Netflix. Yeah. You know, it's like that makes more sense from a video service. Um, and so it's like the actual you know, films on there too, and selling the little films. literal films on there too. Actual films. And so we did the film last week, which is called Kaborg, directed by Orlando Orlando. Um, he goes by Dito. Um, and then also directed by this guy, Teo Marinakis, and um, um, produced by um, Alexander Britzner. And that film was like this, like, kind of like a rap entourage. Like, like a, imagine like if a, an artist goes to Normandy yeah. and he's in this like big palace and it's just like him and it's like entourage, DJ, producer, all that, and the manager. And it's like a scary film. 
but it's like 19 minutes and like this super scary oh it's like and a short film but like yeah yeah it's like a short film 19 and... minutes dark right. like like a little scary and it's just like super high quality it was like orlando's first film and i'd been trying to work with orlando for like a year um just figuring out like when it when is it gonna be a good time like winter like when are the vibes gonna match to get this to work yeah um and then that dropped and we had solana tips on that and solana is another blockchain right we had previously only done money transfers and ethereum um, yeah you mentioned ethereum is like the one cryptocurrency blockchain you were using to make the transactions yeah. right yeah so Ethereum was like the main blockchain. That's where we like had our background in. I was on Ethereum in 2017. Like all my friends were like, oh, Ethereum, Ethereum, Ethereum. I didn't really put that much investment in because I wasn't really like about the money. Like I, like I have one of my best friends. It's all about the money. Like, okay, how can we, yeah. you know, invest in Ethereum this? Like tell me which stocks to do. But I was all about like just creating platforms that enable creators to create at larger scales and to make more money and to have more right. fun. Um, and so then um, NFTs came around and that's, you know, what something I think, we, you know, we definitely need to just give some time to talk about because NFTs, like NFTs simply put are just digital collectibles. Yeah. Like baseball cards, or sports cards in a way, just not and floating. <laughs> exactly. Just like baseball cards floating in the real world. Yeah. Now you're going to have these digital collectibles, which can be a baseball card, but a digital baseball card, you know, floating on the internet. And yeah. you can own you can own that digital card and and flip and sell that in the same way you could pretty much like own like that physical card and like right. flip it and sell it. Of course there's different mediums, but it's just like that idea of just like digital ownership, digital collectibles, as well as physical ownership, physical collectibles, it's just like it, it, it works. Right. And it's the same concept in a different space or different same concept different space different world and there's you know a lot of people are saying there's this metaverse there's this mirror world coming where the idea is how can you have a physical virtual reality that is in tangent with each other and working together and i think that's what we're all working towards which is going to start to unfold in like the next 10 years it's like ai glasses and other large innovations come into the world you know like we want to of course make our own AR, ar glasses uh, we see ourselves almost like a Sony, almost like right. a, um, almost like a young Apple in a way. And it's like, if you ever really care about your software, you have to build hardware products. And so to protect the software almost exactly it's like you got to think of software as like your brain and then your hardware is like your actual physical body right and it's like you know you different people have different physical bodies you know and it's like those physical bodies kind of conform and shape you know um the possibilities in a physical world but the software which is your brain can constantly keep upgrading and can constantly keep learning just by like reading books, biographies, doing stuff like this, and yeah. just learning it and just upgrading it. And you could like erase the memory and you can upgrade it, you know. And it's like I think, you know, to if you 
think of you know technology kind of more like a human more like a biology and and you kind of try to mimic biology a little bit more it's like you know you want to create a, a physical being and give it a software inside of it that's what they're doing at you know dynamic robotics um and that's like kind of the future we're going into and i really really think that like what's important about that physical to digital connection is this idea of ownership this idea of like providence giving giving providence and giving ownership and giving um credibility back to those people who are like building these these pieces that we're going to compile together to make these experiences right and kind of like giving them incentive to continue doing it exactly it's like the reality today is you can get 2.2 million views and you're making like a thousand four hundred dollars yeah and so it's like of YouTube is your only avenue to get like large scale video content out there, or you have to make video content that's so good that you're going to Netflix or you're selling it to CBS and stuff like that. It's like, we need something that's, you know, almost not even just in the middle, but something that is just like a outlet outside of YouTube an outlet outside of Twitch where you don't have to have a partnership. You don't have to work to get ads. You don't have to get 5 million views. And now you can just have a thousand fans who are literally loyal to you, who are pretty much behind every cool creation that you make and who are supporting your creations and potentially even making their own worlds off of your creations and you're getting royalties off of that. So it's like, it it allows for remixing and compilations to be more equitable because it's like, you know, Kanye West is one of the best remixers. He's one of the best, you know, compilers of different sounds and stuff like that. What if all the people who are a part of that are getting a little bit off of that track? Right. You know, what if, you know, everyone who's a part of this is getting a little bit more and the world can become a little bit more equitable instead of just like you giving up your time and getting nothing back. It's like you go to YouTube and your focus is to make money. You should have a clear, direct path towards doing that. You so just mindlessly be- putting them out and like hoping, exactly. hoping, hoping, and hoping, hoping. It's like we can't do that forever. And Glass has enabled it so we can now make specific content for specific people and sustain. And it's like, you know, we're proving it every day and every day we're trying something new, whether it be like this thing called a glass pass, which is um, the idea of having other people buy previous content on glass so that they can buy the next piece of content. And that idea Mm -hmm. is just like, Let's highlight, you know, our previous creators. Let's highlight random people that you may not, you know, look to think about and help them, you know, get sales or right. help you refer someone else for them to get sales. And so it's like now, if everyone wants to be a YouTuber, right? 80% of people, all these young students, all these young people want to be a YouTuber. You make a TikTok, you still got to go to YouTube. Why can't we? make something where it's like, yo, you can just go to class and you can just know you're going to make more than a thousand four hundred dollars if two million people see it. Yeah. And, and it's crazy know- too, because it's like TikTok is immediate traction too, but 
I'm sure people who use the app are probably like, oh, this is great, like whatever money they're getting, but it's probably not as much as they probably should be valuing it in a way. Exactly. It's nowhere near as much as they're valuing it. It's diminishing the quality of videos. It's making videos less about... um, Providing value almost. Yes, it's making video exactly. It's making videos less about providing value and lasting, you know, over time, and yeah. making it more about being viral. And like, like I said, like I'm really only here to do things that are going to be in this world for 20 years, 30 meaningful. years, 100 years. Like, like you know, videos are meaningful. Videos are public good. Like we're at the beginning of the information age. Like YouTube was only invented in 2006. Yeah. Like. The, we're in two thousand, like two thousand six. It's about to go all the way till five hundred years past. Now you're still gonna want these videos. This video we're doing right now, you're still gonna want this. Like you're there's, I go back. I'm bringing Genghis Khan in twelve fifty, like twelve fifty two, you know. And it's like I I can still go back and read those things. Now you have the internet. This video can now be permanently stored, decentralized, where it's like in five hundred, seven hundred years from now, and they want to know, okay who enabled it for this information to be out there and this information not to be censored, who enabled it. So these ancestors can tell the stories of their past. They can make a, an exclusive group community where they're sharing information amongst their community. Like this is revolutionary stuff to the point where it's, it's totally incomprehensible. Almost every drop we've done, the amount of money we've made, I it's incomprehensible to me. You just have to kind of lay back on the fact that it's something that's bigger than what we understand currently. It's totally bigger than what we understand currently. Of course, we cannot comprehend the idea of me being able to collect this video we're doing right now and own it and and sell it. Or, you know, the idea of, uh, of what a live stream really is. Like, live streams are so raw. Like, it's just like, this interview is so raw. It's so uncut. Like, this is really what I sounded like today. Like, you know, there's going to be stories and all this, but it's just like, this is only going to inspire people, the next generation, the people younger than us, that it's like, you don't have to be that smart. You don't have to have it all figured out. You literally just have to be believing and and building long-term value, believing in being a good ancestor, believing in literally harvesting future knowledge and trying to improve that. And they're going to see my progress from age 23 all the way to 45, you know, not from what I make it there as I, you know, as I progress throughout my life. And so it's just like, you know, not every day is promising. It's just like, if you want to leave a legacy, a lot of people do those through videos, photos. I know it sounds black mirror like, but it's like a lot of that stuff in Black Mirror is happening. It yeah. has happened. And the reason it's popular. <laughs> that's the reason it's popular. You know, Squid Game. There's really, yeah. you know, there's so much metaphors. But it's just like your ancestors are going to want to know about your past. People are going to want to know where were you? What were you doing? How did you think about this? Because it's like, you know, you want people to have their own experiences. But oftentimes people don't know how to feel. They don't know how to see what this emotion is going through. And yeah. it's like, it's really hard to describe. Like, like even though I had read about riots on the street, I couldn't describe how I felt about having those things happen in the moment when I'm in Chicago in 2019 during coronavirus. It's like, 
the the video content that we got during coronavirus is going to be so valuable 100 yeah. years from now when the next coronavirus happens yeah and it's sure. like when the when the spanish flu happened in 1918 you know and it's like i say human nature stays the same and history rhymes and i think videos are going to be a great way to show how human nature stayed very much the same and how history has these rhythmic tunes to it and i think uh it's gonna be unbelievable the type of information the type of inspiration that glass is going to provide to the world that you know um the spark community map is going to provide to the world that all these technologies that are kind of being cemented in this early 21st century and what they're going to do to the like the 22nd century 23rd century 24th century it's like this stuff we're doing right now is going to be so important for the next age of entrepreneurs the next black entrepreneurs the next diverse entrepreneurs like there's just so many new types of entrepreneurs that are about to come out to the world that you know might not look like you might not be like you and it's like especially with where the world is going where you have liberals on this side yeah very divided very divided right you have republicans on that side and it's just a high division and then you have china trying to ban bitcoin right meanwhile you have africa quietly building you know they're gonna look to africa in 2070 and be like okay like why weren't we there in 2024 Mm. you know and it's just like now we have this platform which is global by day one right we have an amazing south american artist who's going to be showing um a just a, a video that's amazing october 22nd on glass right and like the, the song on youtube but her name is caspiel and she she's amazing and you know just the type of passion the energy these artists and these creators are about to show us and the type of creative creativity they're going to inspire for the next generation is unbelievable and like kanye west's live stream really should have been an on glass yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should have been on glass like yeah. if someone knows yay like tell them to reach out to us because yeah like, you know if he really wanted to be you know that Jesus you know, he would have gotten these things on, you know, glass, you know, and it's like yeah. even the Drake, Drake versus Kanye, all these things going on. Like, you know, like put this, yeah. make money off this stuff. Like stop just giving it to people for free. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. Like we, yeah. we can't, it's cause it's like the information is so valuable. Yeah. And when it's more valuable, it's something that you could, you should want to put a price tag on to, because then it kind of preserves how valuable it is and people don't lose sight of that in a way. And the other thing is information wants to be free, but it also wants to be very, very, very expensive. And like you have to go to universities to get the t- certain information. Like you got to go, like you got to actually like get into the school, go there, like get into the community. Right. Like that's actually very expensive. But like when you're just talking to me, it's just like free. You know, I'm just, it, it feels like, you know, I'm just tossing these out. But it's like yeah. for me to get there, actually it was very expensive to get the information. Right. Yeah. And so it's like it's this constant tension between information being free, like Wikipedia, and then information being like, you know, 
not free, like the University of Chicago. <laughs> and 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 it's just like though that will never stop. But it's just like now NFTs kind of allow you to kind of do both. Like right. you could be free, but you could also make millions of dollars off of it. Um yeah. So I'm excited and then we got some big upcoming artists that we're gonna get, YouTube stars, rappers. Mm-hmm. Uh, artists, uh, EDM artists, yeah. um, small time you know, dudes who or talk on podcasts and also <laughs> have full time jobs. <laughs> exactly, successful. Um, it, honestly, dude, it's crazy to to talk about how like we literally went through your entire life. I think in like an hour, an hour and change. Yeah, or, and it's it's crazy to see from a bird's eye view like where you come from and how you end up where you are. And I think that's like one of the, the the beautiful things about the podcast is that it's that stuff there that inspires people to want to try to do something rather than the the hardcore information, like the actual nuts and bolts of what you actually did to create it. Like nobody wants exactly. to, nobody, nobody knows what to do with that in my experience. So it's like, like, am I really about to listen to somebody go on about how they started their NFT business from front to back and actually do something <laughs> with that? Like, yeah, I'll probably throw that away. Like I'm not, exactly. I don't know what the hell to do with that. So I appreciate you being open about the story too. Thank you. I think this is actually the first time I've really ever said the story. Like we, we like I woke up this morning to like an investor call like seven a.m. Like that. Yeah. What are you doing? Like with these like spot? What are you doing with glass? And it's yeah. Like, you know, it's like life is real, but yeah. you have to like you inspire me because you know you're you're so especially you and Marcus. Like you guys are really like just like being boundless with the whole success bug and just like you know, just like there's really no idea that's outside of bounds for you guys. Yeah. And it's just like, you guys are just here collecting just like what it is for the people. And it's just like, that's super, super dope. Like I want to do what you're doing. It's either that or we're just stupid. So it's, it's, it's one or the other. We'll find, we'll find out eventually. <laughs> we're we're a hundred percent all stupid. And it's like in 400, 500 years when they look back on this and they're like, yo, this is how humans talk, you know, <laughs> yeah. like this. Hey, look at these assholes. Weird, like... Right? like this sounds weird. This person cares about, uh, this person calls it NFTs, you know, and yeah. like, yeah, that, that might not even be the term next year. Yeah, that's, like, they're going to be looking at us like cavemen, like at some point. <laughs> Literally, we are the digital cavemen, but yeah. that's the truth. that'll do it everyone thanks so much for listening to another episode of the success bug huge shout out to dio glass is an awesome awesome platform if you haven't checked it out yet please type in glass.xyz in any internet browser and you'll find some of the coolest content being put out by some of the youngest and up-and-coming creators out there and you may or may not just see yours truly on there talking to dio up from this particular interview please check it out But until then, you all know the drill. I'll see you all next Friday. Marcus, my co-founder, and myself will be breaking down the net worth of another young, successful uh, celebrity or entrepreneur. You're not going to want to miss that. And then we'll be back the following Friday with another interview with a young, successful, relatable entrepreneur. Keep it locked. we got a lot of good content coming your way. Peace out.